Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. You know, since Cindy's home going, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that Ecclesiastes 3 passage. You've heard me open a lot of messages with that uh, thought because it's brought me some comfort and some understanding. Understanding that as Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a season to every uh, uh, time in life. It's a seasonal, you know, it's bad, it's good, it's happy, it's sad, but life is a series of seasons. And I understand that, that uh, seasons... Obviously, I'm not through this one yet, <laughs> but it's, uh, they come and they go, right? Yeah, they're different, as I told you last week, than cycles. Cycles are things that we can stop. Some people just have bad series of cycles. You know, they go through a bad period of time and it just loops, it loops, it loops, it loops. Remember the scene from Steel Magnolias when she said, I've been in a bad mood for 40 years? <laughs> That's a cycle. <laughs> cycles don't end till you end them. You have to finally say, you know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to fix this. So some things you are fixable. Some things you can fix. Uh, some things won't fix with a change of atmosphere. Some things don't fix uh, with a change of environment. Uh, some things don't change with a new job. Some things don't even change with a new family because no matter where you go, there you are. You cannot run from you. So until you come to terms with these things and you, you, you finally decide is what I'm going through a season or is it a cycle? You'll never get out of it. You'll never get over it. You'll never get through it. And so seasons are things God sovereignly sends in our lives, right? They will end, but they're difficult when they're here, particularly if it is a hard season. But the Bible says again in Ecclesiastes 3 that there is a time to every purpose under heaven. As long as you have purpose, God will give you time. And I believe that with all my heart. I think I'm here for a purpose, you're here for a purpose. And when our purpose is over, we are called home. Simple as that. So as long as you and I have something to do that God is using us in a significant way to touch the lives of other people, we're here. (laughs) And when that uh, season is over, when that purpose is completed, he'll just summon us home. One of these days we'll be absent from the body, we'll be present with the Lord, we'll step from the temporal into the eternal, We'll say good night down here to say good morning up there. And as simple as that, we'll close our eyes here and we'll open them in his presence. And one of these days that will happen if the Lord tarries his coming. So life is seasonal. Our lives are tied to purpose. And when you go through a season, it gives you an opportunity to kind of reassess and reevaluate. Here's another thing that I'm learning and God is teaching me in this season of life is that God is intentional. He's intentional. He's not random. Uh, Someone has well said, has it ever occurred to you? Nothing has ever occurred to God. Uh, He's intentional. He does everything with purpose, on purpose, and for purpose. God works even in those silent moments as I talked about last week. God works in those dark seasons as we talked about last week, but he's intentional. There's a reason that he is allowing the things that we are experiencing. Uh, There's a reason that they happen is he's working something out 
Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good. Now listen, it didn't say all things are good. All things aren't good. But he said all things can work together for good to those who are called to his purpose and those who love God. So God is in the midst of all of this, in the mix, working things out for our good and for his glory. He is very purposeful. He is very intentional. That's one of the things that he is, he's teaching me through this season of life. And there's a character I just want to call to your attention that experienced a drastic new normal. He went into a new season of life unexpectedly, unplanned, at least on his part, when suddenly a very significant person was taken out of his life. Moses was the great leader. Everyone knows Moses. Even if you're not familiar with the Bible or you're not even a religious person, you've heard of Moses. You've seen the movie. <laughs> and so everyone knows Moses. And, and here the Moses was this incredible leader that led uh, Israel out of Egyptian bondage and moving them toward the promised land. And suddenly, at the peak of health, even though he was an older man, his eyesight, the Bible says, wasn't diminished. His natural strength had not abated. He was as strong as an older man as he had been as a younger man, obviously in great shape. And here he was, he goes up into the mountain with God, and God shows him all of the land that he's giving to his people. But he tells him, Moses, you're not going to be the one to lead them there. Your assignment here is over. Moses, instead of you going back to the children of Israel, you're going to go home with me. And the Bible says God buried Moses somewhere in those mountains. And it's unknown even to this day where the, where the grave of, of Moses is. But Moses' spirit and soul went into the very presence of God on that very day. And so when you get that context, you understand this narrative. If you have a Bible, look in Joshua 1. If not, look at the screen. Let me read this to you quickly. The Bible says it was after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, why did God have to tell him that? Well, he wasn't around, right? Moses just went up into the mountains one day and never came home. I'm sure Joshua scratched his head. Joshua was so close to Moses. He was his right-hand man. I'm sure the family was wondering what happened to Moses. Is, is he in a condo up there? Is he fishing? What's he doing? No, maybe they aren't saying that. But the point is they, they worried about him. They wondered because he didn't come back down the mountain. And so God tells him what happened. Moses is dead. His time on this earth has ended. My purpose for him is completed. This season has now ended. And so there's a new chapter that's about to be formed. Moses is dead. Now then, and God always has a now then, there's always something that follows. When he removes someone from your life, there's always a now then. There's the next step. There's the next chapter. You and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. He said, I'll give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, be strong, he said, and courageous. Because, note now, you will lead these people to inherit the land. This land I swore to their forefathers to give them so. Again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
Have I not commanded you? Here it is again. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, tell the people, get your supplies ready. It's happening. Three days from now, you're going to cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. And Joshua is given a new outlook. He's given a new assignment. When Moses, this significant person, was removed from his life, this man that he loved, this man that he looked up to, no doubt, as a father figure, and one day this man is gone, and all of a sudden Joshua was probably wondering, well, what happens to me? What is my life going to look like now? And so God steps into that void, and he steps into that vacuum, and he says, listen, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to have a new assignment. There's going to be a new job for you. I'm not finished with you. Moses, I called him home. His purpose was ended, but your purpose has not yet ended. There's something for you to do. And I've often said, and I'll say again this morning, you and I are immortal until God is finished with us. You're here this morning as living proof of the fact God isn't finished with you. I don't care who's significant that you had in your life that are not there now. Let me tell you something. God still has something for you to do. So he's speaking life into this broken heart. He's speaking hope into this grieving soul. He's saying to this man, there is still something for you to do. You don't need to stop living. You don't need just to crawl in the hole. You don't need to feed on sorrow. You don't need to allow this depression and this grief just to consume you. There's something you need to do. So he's given Joshua this great command. And in this narrative, I want to point out two or three things that just kind of jumped off the page at me. And I hope it'll help you before we go home. The first thing he did was he showed them his courage. He said to have this new outlook, it's going to require courage. Did you notice in that context, four times he said, have courage, have courage, be strong. But you say, well, wonder why that was the case. Well, one of the reasons is Joshua was now in a role that he never had uh, auditioned for. <laughs> he was in a job he really didn't pursue. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It's happened to me. I thought I'd be working for my dad all the years that I was you know, uh, young in ministry. And my dad, as I've told you before, he's in heaven now. He stepped into heaven this last September. And I uh, assumed that I would just be on staff and I'd kind of work there with him. And, and one day all that changed and the church back there, the old church called me to succeed him. And I was intimidated by that. I was very insecure. Cindy and I were 25 and I'm about to lead this historic church. Holy cow. Talk about out punting your coverage. And my dad was old school, right? I mean, he was, he was one of those you call hell, fire and damnation preachers. Yep. When he preached, you'd jump. He shouted when he preached, right? He was old school. He just scared the devil right out of you, right? <laughs> well, that's what I grew up with. That's what I knew. And no one really did it better. If you're into that, he'd melt your butter every time you heard him, let me tell you. And I tried to preach like him. I thought, if I'm going to take over this responsibility, I got to do it like he did it. And I kind of kind of try to be like him. It was intimidating. I was insecure. I was trying to be someone I wasn't, even though it was my dad. And so I I remember, you know, I I assumed the expectation of the church is this is just the second coming of Johnny Ramsey, right? So I'm just going to step in there and kind of try to be my dad. And so my dad would shout. So I'm 25 years old, so I'm trying to shout like him. And and, um, how many of you remember Green Acres? Do you ever remember watching Green Acres? 
Now, TV land, Google it, it's a real thing, kids. <laughs> On this show, there's a character named Mr. Haney. Remember Mr. Haney? He talked like a Mr. Haney. You know, his voice would kind of break like a, you know, like little boys do about middle school. That voice is kind of breaking, you know. That's what I sounded like trying to be like my dad. I sounded like a 25-year-old Mr. Haney. I tried to shout, and it just didn't come off. It, it just didn't work. My voice would crack and break, and it, it, was, it was horrible. And besides that, to pull that off, you, you have to acquire a certain level of anger <laughs> to be able to effectively shout at people, right? And I just thought, I'm really not that mad at anybody. I, I, I get up there and I try to work myself up. Come on, and I just like, ah, nah, couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. What am I saying? I'm saying I had to, as they say, find your own voice. And it's intimidating when you're stepping into a role you didn't audition for. R- remember, I wasn't pursuing that role. I found myself in a job that I wasn't really going for. All of a sudden, I realized I had an assignment that I didn't really uh, uh, plan on having. I'm doing this thing now. I mean, I'm in that role. So I'm either going to continue to try to be like him or try to figure out who I am. And so, man, little by little, I just tried to kind of come in my own and get comfortable, as they say, kind of in your own skin. And I began to realize that God doesn't make duplicates. He only makes originals. And it's okay to have uh, mentors. It's okay to look up to people. It's okay to have people that you kind of admire and you follow, but be careful when you try to be them because you're not gonna do that effectively. Just just be you. If you're outgoing, be outgoing. If you're introvert, be introverted. Just, Just be who you are. Be comfortable in your own skin and realize God has uniquely gifted you and qualified you. No one can do what you do the way you do it. So just be you. Right? And be okay with being you. So when I think about the transition that was going on, and the first thing God has to do is give him courage, I kind of understand it. Now think about who he's following. Moses. Moses has stood before the most powerful man in the world and said, God said, let my people go. I mean, that's bold. And Joshua's looking at his resume going, I see, I don't think I don't think I've stood up to anybody. I'm scared of my life. <laughs> I mean, he's just you know he's just thinking about his life. He he didn't have that on his resume. And then right first rattle out of the box, what happens? Red Sea, Philistines coming behind them. They're between the devil and the deep blue sea. And what does Moses do? You saw the movie. He stands up, and the waters part right, and the people go through on dry ground. He didn't have that on his resume either. And then a little later on in the story, uh, the people need water, and God uses Moses to bring water out of a rock. Joshua didn't do that. Then there's a problem. Snakes are biting people, and he says, put the serpent on the pole and lift it up and tell the people, look and live. And Moses does that. Joshua didn't have that on his resume. I'm just saying, all these amazing, incredible things Moses did, Joshua is having to step into that role of following that guy. And then just to make it completely worse, you read the last thing God says concerning him in in Deuteronomy 34. He said, of all the men who've ever lived, there's never been one greater than Moses. And Joshua's going, shoot. (laughs) Wow. I'm following that. I mean, you talk about the insecurity he must have felt, and you talk about the inadequacy he must have felt. You talk about how he must have wondered, God, are you, are you sure you're putting me in this position? 
And God tells him, son, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be that way with you. It's going to be a different ministry. It's going to be a different life. It's not going to look the same. You don't have Moses there now. Moses isn't going to be there for you to go ask his advice and seek his counsel. He's not there now. You're not going to be able to make new memories with Moses. You're going to now live on the old ones you made with him. But who's there who's never left you? God said, it's me. I'm going to be with you. It'll get hard. It'll get difficult. The days will get long. The nights will be dark. But I'll be with you. In fact, he told him, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And so again, he said, take courage. Take courage. Can I say to your heart this morning, you may not know the direction your life has taken. Maybe something has been removed from you. Maybe someone has been removed from you. Maybe you're just going through a season where you're trying to find your heart. You're trying to find your head. You don't know where you are. As I've told you, you're as confused as a termite and a yo-yo. You're just trying to put it together and figure it out. Let me tell you something. God knows where you are. He knows where you are. And I believe what he's saying to your heart this morning is what he said to Joshua when Joshua was stepping into a new normal. He was saying to him, son, don't lose courage. Don't you give up. Don't you give out. Don't you give in. Take courage. One of the most incredible things that God would say to this man is he's taking on this brand new responsibility. You know what I found? When God gives you an assignment, he will give you the ability that matches the assignment. He will give you the ability that matches the assignment. What God does when he gives you an assignment is he, first of all, he empowers you to do it. He'll never call you to do something he doesn't give you the power to do. Another thing he'll do is he'll equip you to do it. He'll give you all the tools you need. You've got the right personality. You've got the right skill sets. You've got everything you need to do to do the thing he's called. You've got it right now. He empowers you, he equips you, and he enables you. You've got everything you need. You are self-sufficient. With the Holy Spirit living within you, you are a self-sufficient person that can do everything he has called you to do. So, take courage. What are you afraid of? Well, Bill, I'm afraid I might fail. Don't you know that crossed Joshua's mind? Don't you know Joshua knew there's going to be some challenges out there, and what if I fail? Here's what I found, that people who don't make mistakes probably hadn't made anything. You've never made a mistake. You hadn't made anything. You're going to fail. It, it is, it, here's the beautiful thing. When you walk with the Lord, you may fall on the rock, but you won't fall off of it. God will give you everything you need to get up and go again. And so I'm suggesting to you that one of the things you have to have if you're going to embrace the new normal and if you're going to step into the new season of life is it requires courage. You have it? Second thought. Not only a new courage, but you need a new conquest. You need a new challenge. Another way, you need something that will help you get out of the bed in the morning. Because when you go through a season like this, let me tell you something, depression's going to accompany it. You're going to have some really dark thoughts. You're going to have some dark moments. And you're, you're, you're going you're to find yourself. It's like that uh, French philosopher that said, I have so much to do, i got to go back to bed. <laughs> you ever started your day tired? Just wake up tired. I'm just suggesting you that you, you, you've got to have something that gets you out of the bed. You have something to do, some goal. You, you have to, you have to and, and listen, this is hard. This is not easy to do. You, you've got to get out there where you keep putting one foot in front of the other. And all of these people, remember, a whole nation was grieving. 
This was like dad. This was like granddad. This was a leader. He was, a, he was God's man. He, he, they looked to him. He's gone. And so now they're looking to another person and now this other person is receiving instruction from God. Look, you got to motivate, you got to get those people, you got to get moving. Some of you just get out and take a walk around the block and, and some of you start you know, exercising again. Some of you, it's just, you start interacting with people again because the tendency is when you've been hurt is to insulate and isolate. And as I told you, one weekend, isolation is a potent killer. It it will rob you of your joy and your happiness. It'll take it completely out of your life. Uh, Romans 14, seven says, none of us live to ourselves alone. None of us die to ourselves alone. You need people and you need the right kind of people. And I'm just suggesting to your heart this morning that one of the things God was doing with Joshua and the people of Israel, moving them out of this season of grief and sorrow, he said, you've got to get out there. First thing they had to do, did you read that? They had to cross the Jordan. Now I've been to the Jordan and at places it's not very wide. But at this season, when you read it in context, this was during a flooding season. The Jordan was out of its banks. The water was running swiftly. And there were women who couldn't swim, men who couldn't swim, kids who couldn't swim, babies. I mean, he's having to move a million plus people across the Jordan. And when you read the narrative, it's interesting because in Joshua 3, it's the first challenge that he faces is moving them across the Jordan. And what's interesting about this, as opposed to the Red Sea, you remember the Red Sea, Moses stood with his arms outstretched, waters parted, they go across. Doesn't happen in Joshua 3. I'm sure Joshua was wondering, well, what is just the thing here? It doesn't work. Have you noticed what works for one person won't work for you? Remember David, young David? When he was uh, uh, going to face Goliath and Saul said, well, let me give you some armor to wear. And he tried to put on Saul's armor and man, all of a sudden he turns his head and he's peeking out the ear hole, you know, he goes, this helmet's too big. It doesn't work. I hadn't proved it. It doesn't fit me. And he said, well, then why don't you just use the thing that came naturally to you? Why don't you just be you and you go out and face Goliath? And so I'm just suggesting to you that what, what, what was going on with this situation is he was trying to get him across the Jordan the way Moses had got him across the Red Sea and God said, I'm gonna do it differently. And when you read Joshua chapter three, read about verse 15, you know what was interesting about it? The waters don't part until the guys carrying the ark took the first step forward. They had to take that step of faith. And as they were moving, as they were, as they were moving forward, the water's part. Some things in your life don't change until you take steps to change them. Cycles won't change until you take steps to change them. You say, I don't, I'm just not feeling it. Sometimes you won't feel it. Uh, sometimes you do what you do, not, not simply to satisfy some feeling, but you do what you do because it's the right thing to do. Feelings will follow right behavior, right actions, right at feelings follow. Believe me, if I did everything according to what I feel, I wouldn't do much. Then when you're going through a really sad, sorrowful, difficult season of life, it affects how you feel. So sometimes you do what you do out of a sense of duty. I gotta shake myself, I have to get up. I have to keep taking a step toward the water, believing as as I do that in faith, the waters will part. And boy, what was incredible is God didn't fail him. He said, I was with Moses back there at the Red Sea. It was a different deal, but I'm with you too at the Jordan. But this time you're going to have to take a step of faith. For some of you this morning, you just need to take the next step. You just need to take the next step of faith. 
Just get up and take another step. Keep taking a step. Keep taking steps. Here's what you're praying. You're praying things will change. Keep stepping. 119th Psalm. The psalmist said, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I don't know how many of you grew up like I did with a Coleman lantern, but if you'd take a Coleman lantern down a dock and you fish late at night, that lantern only showed you how to see just a little ways. It didn't like the whole path. It just lit just a little way. That's what he said, my, thy word is. It's just like a lantern. You just take the next step, and here's the next step. And I told you last week, worry about your five-minute plan. Your five-year plan takes care of itself. Make good decisions in the next five minutes, and your next five weeks will be okay. So he said, you need to be courageous, and you need a challenge. Here's the last one, and we'll go home. The third thing is, you're going to need some confidence. You know why? Because when we break up with this big old holy huddle in a little bit and we go back out in the real world, you're not going to have the same encouragement out there that you had in here. That's why he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But so much the more as you see the day approaching, you and I need church. You need a gathering like this that's positive, that loves Jesus, that believes his word, that's trying to help people. You need that encouragement. You're not going to get that out there. Oh, you may find some pockets of people that'll help and support you, but you're not going to find a family. The Bible refers to the church as a family that really love you. Koinonia, that will share in things with you and share things with you. A family. You're going to need that support because, man, when you make some decisions and determinations to change things in your life, and you step out there in the real world, and you start putting that plan into action, here's what you're going to find. There's opposition Paul Harvey used to say, you know you're on the road to success when it's uphill all the way. <laughs> the Bible says there's a great and effectual door open to me, Paul said, but there are many adversaries. Listen, doors of opportunity swing on hinges of opposition. So you just need to know you're going to need confidence. God will fulfill his word to you. He will not fail you. Whatever God promised you in the light, he will not withdraw in the dark. He will come through for you. You need confidence. He says to them in verse 5, he said, be strong. He says to them in verse 7 and 8, you'll be successful. He says in verse 9, I'm going to give you the support that you need. And then again in verse 5, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Let me close with this. Joshua is in the closing moments of his life. If you fast forward where I am in my message now, to the very end of Joshua's life. You would, you would read the words that I want to read to you. It's what he told the people before he died. He said, Joshua 23, verse 14, listen to this. Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. He said, I'm about to go the way Moses went, the way of all the earth. The expression is I'm about to die. I'm about to do what my forefathers had done, what my parents and grandparents have done. I'm, I'm, that's, that's about to be my experience now. I'm about to go to the way of all the earth. Listen to this. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Did you hear that? He said, I'm looking back over my life, and I remember as a young man being intimidated and overwhelmed at the challenges that were before me. And I remember God telling me, I won't leave you, son, and I won't fail you. He said, I'm an old man now looking back over my life, and I want to tell all of you, not one of the promises of God failed. Listen, every promise has been fulfilled. And then he reiterates it again, not one has failed. 
I remember as I studied this week, I remembered the times in the hospital in the closing hours. of Cindy's life. I thought about all the amazing experiences and memories that we that we made together. As I was studying this message and reading that verse, that all kind of came back. I remember thinking in the hospital, what a great, what a great life that we had. I mean, I met her, I was just barely 17. We started dating. She was a model, cheerleader, way out of my league. (laughs) And so we started going out and dating and wasn't long until we knew we loved each other. So when we get married, I had to close that deal, man. Couldn't let that girl get away. She figures me out. She's done. So we got married. Thought about the amazing kids God gave us. Their spouses. The kids' kids. I thought about our ministry, our friendships. I thought about this church and how humanly speaking, humanly speaking, it wouldn't be here without her. And I thought, if she could stand here with me today, I know she would say to you, not one promise. God made us fail. He was with us every step of the way. I always admired her strength when we knew she had this terminal diagnosis. It's generic and or genetic rather, she, we thought her brothers might have this as well. And she said, no, I, I think they're gonna be okay. She said, I really do believe. And she said, I've told the Lord that if it had to be one of us, I'd rather it be me. She said, I know I have the faith to do this. I'm strong enough to do this. And as I told everybody at her memorial service, never heard her complain. I complained a lot. I never heard her express any bitterness. I did a little bit. I never heard her ask God why this isn't fair. I had that one covered too. But I can tell you as I stand before you, not one promise that he made failed. He never left us and he's still with us. And I'm just saying I'm living proof of it. And what he's done in my life and her life, he can do in yours. If you don't know him, I highly recommend him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for your faithfulness that you never fail. Thank you for the fact that every step of the journey, you're there. You don't lead us places that you're not already there. If we're in a valley, you're there. You said, I'm with you always. I never leave you, forsake you. If we're in the fire, Nebuchadnezzar can throw three in there, but he'll see four because you're in the fire. 
So Lord, help my friends this morning that are going through a dark season. Maybe it's in their marriage or their business or their health. Let them know you're there. They need to be, have courage and just keep putting one foot in front of the other, trusting you, relying on you, having confidence in you. And for my friends, Lord, in this room or those watching online who've never trusted you as Savior, I pray you'll give them the courage now to humble their heart and say, Lord, with everything I know about me, I trust everything I know about you. And for those who need someone to pray for them before they go home, I pray they'll find their place here at the front. Let someone just encourage them to pray over them before they go home. Give us a good week. Bring joy and happiness into our hearts. And help us to know, Father, you are a God who never fails. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your Sunday. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.